Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Or you can always download our free Living Through That. Now here's Pastor Michael's teaching in Philippians 2, 1 through 4, called One. We're going to read verses 1 through 4, Philippians 2. If you're able to stand with us, would you stand for the reading of God's Word? Philippians 2, 1 through 4, the title 1. It reads this way, Therefore, if there's any encouragement in Christ, if there's any consolation of love, if there's any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion, Philippians 2.2. 2. Make my joy complete, says Paul, by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Have this attitude in yourselves. This is our theme verse for Philippians. Have this mindset or attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. Father, as we have read these opening verses of chapter 2, thank you for them. They're uh, breathed out by God. They will be profitable for us as we take them in. May our hearts be pliable. May you give us ears to hear what the Spirit says to us in this hour In Jesus' name and for his glory we pray and all God's people said, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Now the linking uh, word, if you have a New American Standard Bible to the previous section, is the word therefore. There may be some different uh, ways it's rendered in different versions of the Bible, but the New American Standard says therefore, linking us back specifically to verses 27 through 30. Here's what we looked at last time. Only conduct yourselves, 27, verse chapter 1, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or remain absent, I will hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving together. That's a gladiatorial, uh, the arena language, standing together, fighting together for the faith of the gospel. In no way alarmed. We talked about that word as a word for spooking a horse. In no way spooked or alarmed by your opponents. That's the external opponents to the gospel. Which is a sign, an omen of destruction for them. They don't belong to God. They're going to be judged. But a sign of salvation for you. And that too from God. For these dual graces have been granted to you, brethren. For it has been granted to you for Christ's sake. Not only to believe in him or be saved, but also to suffer for his sake. Experiencing the same Greek word agon, where we get agony, conflict, back into the idea of the arena and a struggle in combat is the idea. Experiencing the same agon or agony which you saw in me and now here to be in me, Paul might say, as I write to you from prison. Therefore, the connecting word taking us from Uh, external opponents to the gospel, and there will always be those, people who make fun of the gospel, people who ridicule Christians, 
etc. People who love when something terrible happens to jump on the bandwagon and say, you see, the church is a bunch of hypocrites, you name it, to what now we are going to deal with, which is more of an internal threat. That is that much of the problems in the church have nothing to do with external opposition, but much to do with our internal shortcomings. And all God's people said, yeah, (laughs) it's very true. So stories have come out over the years about ugly things happening in churches. A couple of examples. R. Kent Hughes writes in his commentary on Philippians, when a certain church in Dallas became divided, the riff was so bitter that each instituted a lawsuit seeking to dispossess the other from the church's property. This, despite the scriptures warning about taking such matters before public courts. That's 1 Corinthians 6, 1 through 8. The story, of course, hit the Dallas newspapers and garnered considerable interest from the readers. The judge wisely ruled that it was not within the the province of the court to decide such matters until the case had been heard before the denomination's church court. So the dispute was remanded to the ecclesiastical court or church court, where eventually the decision was made to award the real estate, church real estate, to one side. The losers withdrew and formed another church nearby. Church growth the American way. Now, it was reported in the Dallas newspapers, no doubt to the delight of some, that the church court had traced the trouble to its source. The trouble began when at a church dinner, an elder had been served a smaller piece of ham than a child seated next to him. Imagine the laugh the good people of Dallas got out of that one, close quote. We've traced the source of the disagreement, the division, the ridicule. I didn't get a bigger piece of ham than that kid. He got two biscuits, I only got one. They took the last maple bar. Now it's getting personal. (laughs) I wanted that. Don't they know I like the old fashioned with the little sprinkles? That's my donut. And we could go on and on with the things that happen. Chuck Colson wrote a book called The Body some years ago. And he records an ugly scene involving a new pastor at Emmanuel Baptist Church on the outskirts of Boston. The pastor stirred up some trouble when he went uh, on some home visitation. So he was following a pastor who had a 25-year pastorate. And uh, he wanted to get to know the people. So under the guise of getting to know them, he began to do some home visitation. But his goal was to dig up dirt on all the church members. So he got the people to gossip about them. He wanted to find out all the worse in the people, basically to be able to have information to manipulate people when he needed it. And he did just that. And he was using information that he had gleaned from these interviews, basically, to put people in their place or hold it over their heads. And as this went on and on, finally the deacons of the church had had enough. And so they decided they were going to call a congregational meeting uh, to deal with the pastor and try to get him to resign. The problem was the pastor had control of the microphone. So every time they were going to make an announcement about this congregational meeting, the pastor would block them because he had the mic or he had start some music and the meeting would not be announced. And so this went on and on. And finally, one of the deacons named Ray Bryson had had enough. He moved forward to the front of the church, had an altercation with the pastor and decked him right in the nose, (laughs) right in front of the communion table, which read, 
this do in remembrance of me. I'm not kidding. This is true, and it doesn't stop there. Upon seeing the melee between the deacon and the pastor, some of the choir members jumped from the choir loft down in front of the communion table, and a brawl broke out. And there were fists flying and people getting hit and vases breaking and you name it. It got really ugly. Finally, the police were called and they came and they broke it up. And the uh, participants of the brawl had to appear in court the following Wednesday. They walked into the city courtroom. A judge was there. And as the litigants walked in, the judge recognized them. The judge happened to be a Jewish Orthodox man Uh, from a non-Messianic Jewish uh, synagogue. And he had played softball against these guys in a softball league. So he recognized them as church leaders from Emmanuel Baptist Church, who, by the way, were trying to witness to people in the community about the saving grace of God and all of that. So basically, the judge said to these folks when he heard what had happened, what's going on here? Is, Is this what your teacher, Jesus, tells you guys to do? And on and on it went. Everybody obviously was pretty embarrassed. He told them, basically, go deal with it. He dismissed them out of the courtroom. They walked out. And as each of the cars drove in different directions away from the courthouse, each with a bumper sticker reading, God is with us at Emmanuel Baptist Church. A book was written by Leslie Flynn with the dubious title, Great Church Fights, having the following quote. In the church, uh, In the church, there is the bond of family, yet room for variety. The The devil tries to disrupt unity. Two chickens tied at the leg and thrown over a clothesline may be united, but they do not have unity. (laughs) And the final quote from Merrill C. Tenney in a commentary on the Gospel of John, he writes, within the church of historic Christianity, there have been a wide divergences of opinion and ritual. Unity, however, prevails wherever there's a deep, genuine experience of Christ. For the fellowship of the new birth transcends all historical and denominational boundaries. Paul of Tarsus, Luther of Germany, Wesley of England, and Moody of America would find deep unity with each other, though they were widely separated by time by space, by nationality, by educational background, and by ecclesiastical connections, close quote. I'm afraid that sometimes in our world, we as the Christian church have our firing squads, as it's been put, in a circle. And we shoot at each other, and we wound and hurt one another. And I'm not talking about essential Christian doctrine, because in essentials, we must be agreed And if a group does not agree on the essentials like the Trinity, the deity of Christ, salvation by grace alone, etc., they're not a Christian church. So put that aside. I'm not talking about non-Christian churches. And I would even say that denominations, old-line denominations that are now bankrupt and have compromised essential doctrine need to be dealt with. And I believe that God is disciplining even these denominations because their numbers have waned and nobody's even going to these churches anymore. Very few people are because people can see through it. But I'm talking about the body of Jesus Christ. Whether we consider people sitting in the same church building or 
the variation of churches that are in the community that may vary by denomination or style or what have you, we are supposed to be one. In fact, Jesus in John 17 prayed this the night before he died. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Hello, I'm Rob Newton, producer of Walking Truth with Pastor Michael Lance. And on behalf of Pastor Michael and the entire Walking Truth team and the Church of Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona, California, thank you for listening today. If you're a longtime listener, thanks for investing your time in the Word of God and letting Pastor Michael help tour you through it. If you're a first-time listener, also welcome. There's plenty of content and plenty more teaching to come. We've got a lot of stuff archived just for you to get into many more books of the Bible. Pastor Michael's vision, along with the entire Walk in Truth team, is to help equip the body of Christ so that you have a better understanding of what the Word says, and as your faith grows, you can get into your community and better talk about your faith with your friends and family and anyone else in your neighborhood. Now, as we are just halfway through the year, it is my responsibility to remind you that this is a listener-supported ministry. At least we would like it to be. Airtime costs quite a bit for radio, and it's worth it for us to keep this ministry going. But we could use more support from listeners like you, especially if you are a longtime listener. Could you help us with our funds to be on the radio? All we ask is for a $5, $10, $20 a month commitment from you. Please prayerfully consider doing that. And then visit walkintruth.com, click donate, and click on the station you're listening to. And just follow the prompts. That's walkintruth.com, walkintruth.com, and click donate. Or call 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. For the fellowship of the new birth transcends all historical and denominational boundaries. Paul of Tarsus, Luther of Germany, Wesley of England, and Moody of America would find deep unity with each other though they were widely separated by time, by space, by nationality, by educational background, and by ecclesiastical connections, close quote. I'm afraid that sometimes in our world, we as the Christian church have our firing squads, as it's been put, in a circle. And we shoot at each other, and we wound and hurt one another. And I'm not talking about essential Christian doctrine. Because in essentials, we must be agreed. And if a group does not agree on the essentials like the Trinity, the deity of Christ, salvation by grace alone, etc., they're not a Christian church. So put that aside. I'm not talking about non-Christian churches. And I would even say that denominations, old line denominations that are now bankrupt and have compromised essential doctrine need to be dealt with. And I believe that God is disciplining even these denominations, because their numbers have waned, and nobody's even going to these churches anymore, or very few people are, because people can see through it. But I'm talking about the body of Jesus Christ. Whether we consider people sitting in the same church building, or 
the variation of churches that are in the community that may vary by denomination or style or what have you, we are supposed to be one. In fact, Jesus in John 17 prayed this the night before he died. Father, you write down if you're taking notes, John 17, 20 through 23. Father, my prayer for them is that they would be one as we are one. Now, I want you to think about how close that oneness is. Because Jesus' prayer is appealing to the oneness within the triune God. And it's been well said that within the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, there already existed a love relationship. And we, we know we've looked at some of the theology of the Trinity, but I want you to hear Jesus. Father, that they, the disciples and those who believe in me because of their witness, be one as we are one, Father, Son, and by extension, Holy Spirit. He goes on to say that they may be perfected in unity. Please listen. That the world may know that the Father sent the Son and I'm paraphrasing now, to be the savior of the world. That they, my prayer for them, Lord, is that they would be perfected in unity, that they would be one. And there's so many things that fight against our oneness. We all know, those of us who are married, that the two become one in marriage. But you all know that to continue to foster oneness is work. Amen? It, it does take prayer and self-sacrifice. And so though we are one in our marriage bond, for those of you who are married, yet we have to work on our oneness. We have to walk out our oneness. And the same principle applies in the body of Christ. We have external opposition, and we're to be immovable, steadfast, always abounding in the work of the Lord. But we have internal issues as well. That is what Paul is going to address. And the evidence is, as we go on in this book, in chapter 3, it seems like the Philippian church is dealing with the Judaizing heresy. I'll get into that more as we get into that chapter. And in chapter 4, it's clear that two women who were strategic in helping Paul in the gospel ministry are at odds with one another. And Paul's going to ask them to live in harmony in the Lord, to walk out their oneness, if you will. So that's ahead of us, but these verses are going to deal with the specific issue of how we walk out oneness. Take a look. Therefore, if there's any encouragement in Christ, this is what's called a conditional clause in the Greek. And so this means you could have it this way. Since there is encouragement in Christ, so if you could, you could read it this way. Therefore, if there is any encouragement in Christ, and there is, If there's any consolation of love, and there is. If there's any fellowship of the Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, and there is. If there's any affection and compassion, and there is. And what Paul does is he goes back to four realities, if you're taking notes, four things he asks them to recollect, or so you could say four recollections of when they first met Jesus. And he wants them to think back to the time that they first became a believer. Now, if you're not a believer, these could be brand new to you. So I pray that if you don't know Christ, this would be the first experience you have of these four things. But for many of you, this is going to be a reflection. For me, it's back to the late 80s. 
when me and my beautiful bride, Brenda, who was up doing the announcements today on the video, heard the gospel. And we walked forward together at an altar call at a church in Orange and gave our lives to Jesus. We were newly married. or Actually, I think we were still dating at that time. I think we were engaged. And we had seen each other live without Jesus. We had seen what life looked like on a shaky foundation of, of the sand of the world, if you will. And when we became believers, it was an amazing moment. I remember feeling like the preacher was speaking just to me and feeling conviction over sin and knowing, seeing my desperate need for the gospel and finding consolation in Christ. You know, the biggest consolation I needed was over my sin. I had sinned against God. I know I had broken his heart. I know I had manipulated and used others for my own selfish interests. I know that I had done things that were out of order and not right in God's sight. And I found consolation for my soul. And so did my bride. And after we uh, got saved, we began, began a journey together. And my wife would tell you, she did not marry a pastor. When we got married, I was not a pastor But the Lord was doing a work in both of our lives and conforming us into the image of Christ. And and that has still been a work in process, but it's much different today than when we first started out. And that's the beauty of hanging in there and the beauty of sanctification is God will continue to do a good work in you. So don't lose heart. And Paul says, "I, I want you Philippians to reflect back on when you first met that love, when you first experienced that encouragement, look at verse one, uh, that encouragement in Christ, that consolation, if you have a new King James, in Christ. The first word, paraclesis, is consolation, comfort, solace, specifically dealing with the refreshment that one experiences when you believe in Jesus as your Messiah, Savior. You get the ultimate consolation, That is the forgiveness of your sin. The biggest weight we bear as individuals, though you won't hear this from the world, is the guilt of our sin. And when that guilt gets dealt with and eradicated and removed from your life, it brings a consolation that I don't even know if I can put into words. But for those of you who have experienced it and you know that God has taken your sin and and from as far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us, that is a burden that gets lifted from you in Christ Jesus. And it is wonderful. The second thing, the recollections or realities that you experience is consolation of love. You know, when I heard about the love that Jesus has for me, when I heard about the love demonstrated at the cross, when I heard John 3.16, for the first time, God so loved the world. Uh, Paul put it this way, he loved me, Galatians 2.20, and gave himself up for me. When I saw my sin for what it was, and his love, how far, how deep, how uh, condescending he was, he was willing to condescend and become a man and bear my burden at the cross, that love is better than life. And that love is the consolation of my soul. It's that love that surpasses knowledge as it's celebrated in Ephesians, I think it's chapter three. And so the love of God is so beautiful, so wonderful. And Paul's saying, I don't want you to forget that love. 
that consolation of love. Notice the third thing, four recollections or realities. The fellowship of the Holy Spirit. We all share, we all participate in the life of the Spirit. I mean, I could go anywhere in the world and I have traveled, I've done some traveling and I meet a Christian anywhere on the globe and immediately we have a bond. There's some people I could only talk to through translators because we didn't speak the same language, but we had the language of heaven, if you will. We knew we were brothers or sisters, brother and sister in Christ Jesus. One big, amazing family from every tribe, tongue, nation, and people, one in Christ. It's amazing. Different styles of worship. You could go to Africa, you could go to Nepal, and it's different, yet we are one in Christ. You've been listening to One, Part One, on Walk in Truth. That's Pastor Michael's teaching in Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. If you missed any part of today's program, don't worry. You can always listen to Walk in Truth on our free Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, our Living Truth app is the one with the red logo with the pillars. With our app, you can learn more about Living Truth Christian Fellowship, the church behind Walk in Truth, where Pastor Michael serves as senior pastor. If you're local to Southern California, the app gives updates and information about upcoming Bible studies, free events, and services, both for you and your kids, like this year's Vacation Bible School coming up in a couple weeks. If you live outside of Southern California, you can still benefit from our Living Truth app. You can listen or watch Pastor Michael's previous teachings in Philippians, and you can contact the church if you have any questions or comments. Download the free Living Truth app in your app store. And don't forget, Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. Your financial partnership helps us broadcast on this station, provide the podcast for free, and it helps us do our free apologetic events, too. So please consider becoming a monthly partner of at least $5 a month. You can donate at walkintruth.com. And join us tomorrow for part two of Pastor Michael Lance's teaching in Philippians 2, 1 through 4, called One. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.